This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to this episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I get the opportunity of introducing you to Elizabeth Dixon. Elizabeth, say hello. Hello. (laughs) Good to have you here. Um, Connected through our mutual friend, Jessica Lally, Elizabeth is a strategist and innovator and a speaking executive sharing on various personal and business development topics for organizations like the University of Georgia, Southwest Airlines, and the Global Leadership Summit, to name a few. While she first began working for the wellness of the Chick-fil-A staff, Elizabeth now leads the strategic design of hospitality and customer service across the stores. In this interview, we'll explore a variety of topics, including the challenges of a crisis and how they can be an opportunity for us to develop habits, cultivate culture, innovate in new directions, and proactively plan for the future. So Elizabeth, thank you for taking the time to share your life with us today. Before I jump into my questions, tell me about you and your story. Well, awesome. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. Well, a little bit about me, my name, Elizabeth. My purpose is to glorify God by creating value for my family and my community. I am Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial at heart. And my favorite thing to do is build what doesn't exist to be able to solve meaningful problems for people. Yeah. And um, I'm wife to my best friend and the love of my life, John. We are going to celebrate 10 years this fall. Wow, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. And we have a six-year-old little boy and a five-year-old little girl who are so much fun and keep us nice and busy. And we have become homeschool parents. Yes, as we all have. (laughs) Which is a surprise for all of us. Yeah. So um, that's been fun. And go ahead. Well, I was going to say, are you both working? We are. Yeah, that that so, I seem thankfully it's only one of us works, so it's a little bit easier. But imagine for dual working families, it's been very challenging. <laughs> it has been very challenging, full <laughs> of laughter, flexibility. And what's really cute is that our five and six year olds, their favorite thing to play now is meeting. Yeah. And so yeah. they'll come in and sit on some of our meetings. And then when we have our family lunch in the middle yeah. of the day, they love to play and take yeah. turns who, who facilitates uh, the meeting. Well, I, I've always had this idea that older kids should teach the younger grades. So there maybe, you, you know, that's a, a test market. Now I'm curious. So you, you articulated your purpose statement, which was awesome. When did you do that? And why did you do that? Because a lot of people don't necessarily have that type of clarity in terms of their direction. So tell me about that. Well, great question. So for me, I, I'm looking at my journal over here because I love goal setting. I love goals. I love planning. Mm-hmm. But the spot at the beginning of my journal, I had put purpose and I had left it blank for a long time because it just seems so daunting and overwhelming, mm. such a big statement. Yeah. And so I could plan out annual or quarterly, all those kind of goals, but the purpose just felt too big. And about five months ago, I thought it, does, it shouldn't be that way because yeah. your purpose is so directional and critical. And when you go through a really unstable time, your purpose can be something that helps yes. keep you constant and steady. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. And I came up with three questions that helped me okay. craft mine. Yeah. And then I found that that was a felt need across And so before COVID-19, I did a number of talks for folks 
to help them craft their purpose statements, to set up okay. why does it matter? And then what are the key questions to ask yourself? And what are some of the, you know, key tactics to do yeah. in order to set yourself up for success with defining it? And so that's how I came to mind because I felt like it shouldn't stay blank and I really needed it to help create that stability and like propelling me forward yeah. to where I'm wanting to go. Okay. That's awesome. And so let me ask this because, um, you know, I, I've embraced that. And I, for me, some of that came out of a crisis, like the crisis itself was a catalyst. And, and my purpose statement is to embrace the life of Jesus. And mm. so um, the life he lived and then the life he gave. And, um, and so I, I've spent a lot of time and it's kind of morphed over the years, but sort of where I landed. But when you're talking to other people about purpose and, and articulating that purpose and, and discovering that, there, there can be a lot of resistance. So mm. have you found that as well? And, and how, are, how have you sort of persuaded people to, to sort of push through that resistance? Yeah. I remember one particular talk where there was a gentleman sitting in the audience, like straight in front of me, who had this look like, you kidding me? Total skeptic. And I think some of the reason are some people just aren't really wired for that. Yeah. And some of us eat it up. I eat that stuff up. I think you eat that stuff up. Some people just, that's not their jam and that's okay. Yeah. I think for those that do spend that time thinking about where am I going and what do I want to be doing? I think that it's a useful tool to help mm -hmm. with that. And the other thing I think is the other group that might be a bit skeptical is it's uncomfortable. So they want to mm -hmm. have it, but they feel so overwhelmed by it. And so something that I find really helpful is going, what is it right now? Mm -hmm. Like where I sit today is not where I'm going to sit 10 years from now. And so it can change and be yeah. comfortable with being able to edit yeah. and just grow with time. Mm -hmm. But if we, if we don't have anything, mm -hmm. then we're going to be kind of waffling around and waving yeah. around in the sea. So having something gives us that stability and it gives us that basis to be able to go, should I say yes or should I say no? Yeah. And I think our yeses and nos are the, some of the most important decisions in our lives. Yeah. And so having a filter to run them mm -hmm. through and so for me, I go, if it's not for the audiences in my purpose statement, and it's not using my greatest skill and contribution to ultimately have the impact that I want to have, mm -hmm. then it needs to be no. Yeah. And that helps give that. Well, and, and that's a good point because I think um, sometimes we can be indecisive, but if we articulate, if we make that decision early and decisively at a high level, it actually helps make those other decisions for us. Yes. Yeah. It removes the stress. It removes that pressure that can just get so heavy when there's yeah. so much coming up. Yeah, that's awesome. So before I jump into all of the questions I have, I, I do kind of want to get your thoughts on, on on the current crisis that we find ourselves in. And and I know you've written about and talk about the idea of, of leaning into a crisis. Um, you know, politically speaking, you know, sometimes that can be used as, you know, people manufacture a crisis so mm -hmm. that they get their political agenda done. But I think there's actually a lot more to it. And I've read, I don't know if you've read the book, The Power of Habit. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> but he talks about the idea of how malleable, how malleable we are when we're facing that crisis and how that is such a great opportunity. So tell us how we should look at this situation and, and how you uh, might recommend um, we navigate the crisis that we're in. Absolutely. So for me, it started in the early to mid-March when this was kicking off. 
And in the role that I get to serve in at Chick-fil-A around strategy, a big piece of that is trying to anticipate the future and prepare mm. our company for what we need to do to shift. Yeah. And so I called up my dad. My dad is an incredibly wise businessman who started a aviation company okay. back in the late 80s. Yeah. And during the 9-11 season, he, you know, he started it, so he was president of it. But he had to walk the company through that crisis, which mm. was really intense, especially for the aviation world. Yeah. And so yeah. I called him up and he is a man of a few words in a sense, but really powerful ones. Yeah. And I said, dad, what's your advice? He said two things. He said, Elizabeth, cash is like blood. You run out of it, you die. Mm. And I was like, touche. That applies for <laughs> businesses and that applies for individuals. So it's like, this is a time to stop spending, start conserving and pull back. Mm. Um, he said, the other thing is, he said, Elizabeth, just never waste a good crisis. Yeah. And at first I thought that is so incredibly insensitive. <laughs> like how can you put the word good and crisis in the same sentence? That yeah. just seems wrong. Yeah. And so I, uh, my eyes were opened when he said that to observe and take in what was going to be happening over the coming weeks. Okay. And so through these past seven or eight weeks, with that filter and perspective that there is opportunity that is hiding Mm -hmm. behind the the awful parts yeah. of it the really heavy parts of it because all of that is 100 percent true but it also is 100 percent true that there is opportunity there and so yeah. four main areas jumped out to me that if we have our eyes ready for that the reality is that if growth is a flower crisis is fertilizer mm -hmm. and it, we have the chance but yeah. it's not going to just be thrust upon us we can choose to do nothing we can choose yeah just sit we can choose to actually atrophy but if we want to we can choose to see this as an opportunity and take it as a season to amplify our growth and so four main areas have really stood out to me i wrote a blog post on it yeah um at elizabethspeaks.com yeah, yeah but uh yeah that's yeah. been really a helpful filter for me and really brought to life those areas that we could actually improve upon instead of um you know, get worse or just stay constant. Yeah. And, and there is, I, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with the, uh, uh, the parable of the, the farmer and the fig tree, the unfruitful fig tree? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he, the farmer, I think somebody comes to the farmer and says, I want to chop the tree down. He says, wait, give me a year and let me fertilize it and take care of it for a year. And if it still doesn't produce fruit, then you can chop it down. And so when you said that kind of made me think of that as, you know, this is, this is an opportunity, um, especially for those of us that we may not have been intentional and now it's an opportunity to go, okay, this could be an opportunity to change. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. So what is, I mean, when you think about leadership and, and your personal development, I mean, what does that, what does it mean to do that? Well, what does it mean to do that? Well, in your work and what does it mean to, to do that? Well, personally, your family, community. That's, yeah. All the dimensions, right? <laughs> yeah. They're all coming at you at one time. Well, I think about, I think about well-being. I think about it being very well-rounded. Um, I always thought that I was going to spend the majority of my time staying at home with my kids someday. That was my aspiration. If you asked me when I was 10, what do you want to do someday? I was yeah. going to be a stay-at-home mom. And God had a different plan for me and yeah. put me into this business world. And I learned that that's something I'm really good at. And so making sure that I'm being the mom that I want to be for my kiddos and being the wife I want to be for my husband 
and being able to do my work well and have community, all of that is really important to me. And so I think to do it well, it means a few things. One of them is that uh, someone has said before, you, you can have it all, but not all at the same time. Mm, yeah. And I think there's a lot of that that's true. I also think you can kind of have it all, but at a different level of expectation. And so there's going to be meetings that I'm not going to be able to attend next week. A, a whole day meeting came up and I said, I'm so sorry, but it's not really, I'm sorry, but it's just, I won't be there for two hours because my son has kindergarten online graduation. Yeah. And so that's going to be my first priority. And it goes back to our purpose conversation. When we've defined our purpose and we understand our priorities, it isn't an, uh, I'm sorry. It yeah. is a, this is my priority. I can't wait to be there at one yeah. point. Yeah. And so, so tell, well, so a lot of people would might push back and say, well, they would either qualify that you have something they don't, or they would say that they're dealing with some problem that you don't have to deal with. So how, it, what, what is, what's the habit of one identifying those boundaries and two enforcing them. And then also dealing with the, the conflict that might come from both of those. Mm, that's good. So it's kind of like, what's some, what's the principle behind it for those that might find themselves in a different life situation? Yeah. Or maybe it's not a different life situation, but they just perceive it that way because mm -hmm. you're doing something that's harder or that can cause challenging, you know, like if it's your boss and you're sitting, you know, you know maybe they have a, a boss they have a hard time interacting with, mm. you know, so it, it could be perception. It could be real. But ultimately, um, they're, they're not able to be courageous in the way that, that you're describing. Yeah. So a big part of it is, does the employer have a perspective that supports the whole person and that trusts? And mm -hmm. I think when you're working for a company who doesn't support you holistically and doesn't have trust to say, this is going to be what's best for that person, that's a totally, that's a different mm -hmm. dynamic. Um, and it's one that I would have a really hard time working for because I want to yeah. work for a person or a company who trusts me and knows that I'm going to show up above and beyond if I have my priorities in order. Yeah. And when they're not in order, I'm actually going to suffer majorly <laughs> and my work is going to suffer because that hour or two hours that I was going to be at kindergarten graduation, I'm not going to be contributing well because I'm yeah. going to be resentful actually mm -hmm. that I'm on a a call instead of with my son. So yeah, yeah well, I get that. Yeah. So I guess I would ask then is let's say there, you know, you talked in one of your four things was about culture. So um, what if someone doesn't have that type of culture? How could they move in that direction? Mm, it's good. Well, the easiest way is to <laughs> find a new job. Um, it's the easiest and the hardest yeah. in some respects, because it's going to be a challenging um, employment environment yeah. right now. But I think we all have an opportunity to create culture around us. And mm -hmm. so uh, Clay Scroggins has a great book. I'm sure you've read it about when you're not the per you're not the boss. How do you lead? You know, mm -hmm. when you're not in charge. Yeah. And so we all have an opportunity to create culture around us. Those are the choices that we make. Yeah. And so how can we create freedom and space and support for those people who are directly working for us or, or who are peers to us? Maybe we look around and go, hey, my coworker needs to have that kindergarten graduation time. 
and I'm going to cover for them and say, yeah. hey, you know, Mike needs to be gone. I'm going to cover for him for this meeting. I think we all have a chance to step up and be an advocate for others and to be an advocate for what we think is right. And it's not always easy. And actually, if it if it's hard, it probably means that it's going to be really meaningful mm -hmm. eventually. So I would just say, how can I create culture around me? And then going back to our purpose, what are those things that are going to be incredibly important to me 10 years or 10 months or 10 days from now? Yeah. Because being a part of that Zoom call for the additional two hours next week, probably not even going to think about it 10 days from now, but I will tell you 10 years from now, I will know and be able to describe the emotions I felt mm. if I was or was not a part of my son's kindergarten graduation. Yeah. So I think that there are realities that people are in where they can't, they're not applauded to take that stand at Chick-fil-A. There is a lot of grace and permission given there that they want you to be there where life matters most. Yeah. Um, so that's a reality, but I do think that we have an opportunity around us to put some stakes in the ground and to also be an advocate for others and create that culture around us that we want to have. Yeah. And over time, it will start to spread. So I guess on that note, when you think about this idea of, you know, it's one thing to take a stand for yourself and to lead ourselves, which is yeah. seemingly impossible at times, <laughs> but to then try and lead others, to teach them, to inspire them, to get help equip or enable them in positive directions, you know, how do we go about that, this idea of leading others or mentoring others or guiding others? Mm. Well, I think it's really important to have people of different stages of life that are pouring into us and then we're pouring in to mm -hmm. others. And I love the thought that leadership is not about how many people report to you. It's about who wants to follow you. Yeah. And so when you have those people who want to spend time with you and want to learn from you and they have zero reporting structure to you, that's the strongest sign yeah. of leadership to me. And so mm. in my mind, those people in my life, I consider it the greatest honor to get to spend time with them. And I have a list of people that have dramatically impacted the trajectory of my life because they chose to spend time with mm. me. And so I think the more willing we are to ask, and yeah. say, would you spend time with me? And the more willing we are to say yes, when others ask to spend time with us, and then to just share life. And um, I had a call yesterday with one of the girls in my life that I love spending time with, and she's a season behind me in life. And we talk about what's going on, what's on our minds, what's challenging us. I'm 100% open with her yeah. from a family yeah. perspective, work perspective. And then at the end of the call, we both ask the question, not prescribed, but it just happens. We both <laughs> ask, what can I do for you? What, what do you have going on that I can do for you? And it's so rich and rewarding and life-giving to get to spend those moments sharing mm. and receiving and then asking how we can serve each other. Yeah. So a couple questions there. One, so I, I, there are a lot of great people that would make great mentors, mm. but they're not mentoring anyone. Maybe mm -hmm. they don't want to change their lifestyle or they don't want to give up something or, or they don't think they can do it or who, who knows the reason, but it's going to vary. So what, what would you say to those people that, that 
that ought to be mentoring but aren't. <laughs> I would say you have an opportunity to leave a legacy that extends far beyond your life mm. when you do. And uh, Truett Cathy, our founder of Chick-fil-A, one of the quotes, and there's many that I love from him, is how do you know if somebody needs encouragement? Yeah. If they're breathing. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes the word mentor can feel a bit pious almost, like yeah. I have everything all together and I am the mentor, like I'm <laughs> a sage or something. When in reality, it's just coffee and talking about life. Like yeah. just get coffee with somebody or have a video call with somebody and you know, eat your lunch together and let them ask questions and share mm-hmm. stories with them because I think we often get to see the glamorous side of success. We get to see after the 20 years of hard work, but yeah. every overnight success is 20 hard years of work in the making. Yeah. And the greatest people are the ones that can talk about when they got you know, knocked down and when they got back up and when yeah. the 2008 crisis came yeah. and they went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And you don't always hear those stories. And so to me, those who are not sharing their life in that way are missing out on one of the most rewarding opportunities to pass forward their learnings, their encouragement, and to truly encourage, like instill courage in other people to put their boots back on and keep going and make more cold calls and keep trying and get back up. So I would say, stop it and get back, get out there (laughs) and just say yes. And don't see it as this wise sage situation where you have to have a super formal process and just let it be a conversation where you can ask questions of each other. And the other thing I'd say is having younger mentors is really, really important too. And so anyone who considers me a mentor, I consider them one because they're like, we're mentoring each other almost in that way. Yeah. Yes. Because they have a different perspective than me. They have something I can learn that I don't know, and they see life in a different generational view. Mm -hmm. And so that helps me. I learn more things about technology and probably- It's a mutually beneficial relationship. 100%. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who has a men, you know, someone that would be the recipient of that leadership and guidance that might think, well, I, you know, I want to do my own thing or I want to go my own way, or they're resistant to being- I don't know if I, I don't know if I can accept someone's help or I don't want to accept someone's help mm-hmm. say to them. You know, may, <laughs> may the force be with you. Like, <laughs> I think of it. I'm naturally the person that if you tell me this is the obstacle ahead I, and you could go around it, if you go this way, I will take your advice. And there are some people out there that they have to touch the hot burner to re- realize that it's hot. You know, I'm like, it's hot. Okay. I'm not going to touch it. So I would just say to them, if that's your personality style, I get that. And it's just going to be a harder journey. But for those that are open to it, it is so rewarding to me. The times where you just get to sit and listen from someone and learn from them and get coached by them and be able to have that honest communication it's so rewarding and life-giving to do yeah. that. And so I would just say, be bold and look right around you. There's going to be someone nearby that you can learn from who's walked through a crisis or a hard time before that will be able to give you courage in a yeah. way that you just can't manufacture yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
So I want to shift a little bit to talk about um, stories. You know, narratives shape how we see the world. We are creatures that thrive on stories. We like to watch them, listen to them, read them. <laughs> fiction, nonfiction. So what are some of the stories that have shaped you on in your journey? Oh, that's so good. I love that question. Stories that have shaped me. I think, I mean, one that is critically important to me that I've actually taken this year to go back and read all the way through is all the stories within the Bible. Yeah. And so here you have this book that is filled with poems and stories and letters yeah. that is full of life. Mm -hmm. And it actually gives life in a way that no other book does. And so I think that has been a huge one. I'm currently reading about the life of David. Mm -hmm. and he lived a really hard life. He yeah. had such a song and a, a joy about him, but he lived a really hard life of being chased by Saul, and you know, he was, Saul tried to kill him, and then he's leading the entire, you know, all of Israel, and he lived a really, really hard life, but yet yeah. he wrote so many of the Psalms that we read about, mm -hmm. and so that is definitely been one that is currently shaping my life right now but then yeah. in entirety um is one that is a part of my purpose yeah and one that guides my life yeah so what if what if someone was like wow that's that's interesting but man the the bible's a really big book where where should i what story should i start with <laughs> where should i begin it is really big. Um, so I would say if you were to start, it would be in Leviticus. I'm kidding. Don't <laughs> um, but the, I would probably start in the New Testament. If the Bible is a totally new book, I would start in the book of Matthew uh -huh. and watch the story unfold from that point. If the Bible is something that you've, you've you know, dabbled in, but you want to start reading it through more, there is an app. It's called the, um, it's the Bible Recap by D Group. And it's a part of the Bible app that Craig Rochelle started. Okay. And it guides you through the entire Bible in um, natural sequence. Yeah. And it is awesome. And so you okay. read a bit every day and there's a podcast that goes with it. And it is really brought to life parts of history that I just hadn't fully put the pieces together for. Mm. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. So what would you say about stories in this crisis? Can they help us? Um, do they hurt us uh, somewhere in betweens? Neither. <laughs> so good. I mean, I think that I think in crisis, the stories are devastating and they somehow the ones that have hope are life giving. And mm -hmm. I think it's comes down to what, where is the hope? I read a very interesting statistic yesterday that came from Kantar Futures, okay. um, uh, one of the sources I use for strategy for Chick-fil-A. And uh, anger has replaced hope mm. as a top five emotion for Americans. Wow. And anger and, has replaced hope. And what, is, what do you think is going on there? Gosh. I think that there's so much that's unknown and I think as humans, we have a hard time with that. I think is it that we want to blame someone? So we, that's why we lean into the anger or is it anger with ourselves or that? I don't know. I think we have a desire to control, to mm. plan. You know, I talked about how I love planning and I love yeah. crafting goals. My calendar is blank. I mean, it says <laughs> May. But was it filled up the months before May? 
Heck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so now it's just... coded, like everything, yeah. <laughs> like here we go. Um, how many weekends we have downtime, what we fill our time mm -hmm. with, all that. It was beautiful, beautiful. But there's, there's a lack of control. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of times we're really uncomfortable with that lack of control. And so I think part of that is it is a control situation. Yeah. And then some of it is maybe, yeah, we do want to figure out who's wrong or how do we fix this? And we don't have all of those answers. Yeah. And so I just think it's interesting that the emotion that has replaced hope is anger. And yeah. so when we think about stories and where there is hope, it's like we can settle. But when we don't have a clear hope, there's anxiety and stress yeah. and then it turns to fear and anger. We just need to like get that emotion yeah. out. So I just found that really fascinating and insightful to think about for ourselves. Like, where am I putting my hope? And is that yeah. where I need to be putting it? So if, so I think what I'm hearing is we're, we're feeling out of control and we're attaching to things that may or may not help us. Mm. So how do we sort of rest in the idea that we don't have to know the answer. We can be uncertain and we're mm. not in control. <laughs> yes. Well, one, a coach for me, her name's Jen Bowie and she's amazing. She has really taught me to pay attention to the tension. Mm. And so when we feel that tension and side when we feel the anxiety the anger the frustration wherever that tension is pay attention and ask what am i thinking what am i feeling and what am i believing yeah. because those three are so intertwined and our beliefs are going to drive our thoughts which will then impact our feelings yeah. and when we can identify and articulate hey i'm feeling anxious i'm thinking i have no control and i'm believing that you know fill in the blank for what mm -hmm. the belief would be behind it then that gives us actual kind of it gives us control in a sense it gives us some power over the subconscious that's going mm -hmm. on in our minds and over time you talked about it in the beginning over time our brain is malleable enough that we can set new thought processes and lines of thinking in our in our brains and so it gives us the chance to be able to rewire our minds yeah. into things that are true and into thoughts that are helping us go in the direction that mm -hmm. we want to go and it, would you tie that into habits in any any particular way a hundred percent new habits think, yeah we don't have as humans a whole lot of capacity for habit Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for, for discipline, we have a mm -hmm. lot of capacity for habit. And okay. so I have a number of friends because a, a really important ritual or habit for me is my morning routine mm -hmm. and friends will say, Oh, Elizabeth, you're so disciplined. And I go, not necessarily. I'm very <laughs> habitual. And I turn what was a conscious choice into a subconscious habit, yeah. which probably and was so, very difficult for a while, but then became easier over time. Uh, totally. I started with waking up 10 minutes earlier and then 15 minutes earlier and giving mm -hmm. myself the motivation of a cup of coffee that's basically a donut in a yeah. cup because there's so much cream and sugar in it. But over time, it becomes where you have this entire habit built in. And so our thoughts, our beliefs, our habits, yeah. all of that is tied together. Yeah. And then your, your living example, your story then inspires others to, to, to do that. Hey, they could do the same thing. Yeah. I, 
I recommend it. I think our <laughs> habits determine our direction yeah. in many ways. Like our yeses and nos each day are determining where we ultimately will go. We just sometimes don't think that my decision today is that powerful. And I'll give you a super simple example. But yeah. a friend of mine said the other day, you know, if you read one page a day, you can read a book a year. Yeah. I was like, really? He said, yeah, <laughs> those books are probably around 300 pages. If you read one page a day, you get a book a year. He said, so my goal is 20 pages a day because I'm going to read 20 books a year. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that breaks it down into something that's so bite-sized and mm -hmm. doable. And when we do that with our physical health, when we do that with our finances, when we do that with our careers, whatever that is, when we break it down into something that we can say yes to today, then we ultimately end up getting to where we want to go. Yeah but it's not as overwhelming. It's more yeah. than something we can handle. Yeah, and that was that was similar to how I wrote my first book for freelancers was it was an hour a day. And I just really? did that um, and eventually it was done, <laughs> you know? I love that. Yeah, so, um, and then it, I, I didn't have a timeline. It was just uh, that cadence, you know, and that's, and then when it was done, it was done. And then I moved to the next stage and, and uh, it took me, the whole process took me about 18 months, so. Do you yeah. still write an hour a day? Um, I, well, so it's kind of not right now. I'm, uh, I am, uh, I was supposed to, I was planning, I'm taking a break from writing this year. So That's I've written good. two books and over 400 articles over the last six and a half years. And so I've taken a break this year, um, from writing. <laughs> Well-deserved. I think, do you think that will give you a good pause to be able to be inspired back? Yes. Later? Yes. So I, part of it is to take a break from it, to kind of reflect and, on the journey so far also to think about what's ahead and then just to kind of rest and recover and rejuvenate for the next the next leg of the race so to speak i think that's so important because so many times there's a mentality of just like go hard constantly yeah but uh, the waves of oscillation mm -hmm. are so important because if we don't recover and rest and give our minds that space then we won't be able to have the, our peaks as high. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that that's definitely, and it, it you know, you talk about innovation. It's also it fosters a lot of innovation because it changes things in a way that jostles us enough. At least for me, jostles me enough to kind of think differently and see things differently and behave differently, so that I can fuse new ideas and, and thoughts into what I've created. That's a great example. Yeah. Good. So let's talk about systems. So I love stories and I love systems. Systems, we are a part of systems. We create them. They shape and inform how we think, how we act. Sometimes to degrees we understand and others we don't or don't appreciate. So what do you think about systems and how do you use them? You mentioned the calendar, so I imagine that that's one of your systems. Um, but tell me about that. I do love a good system, a good <laughs> process, a good framework. In work, I use it all the time. That is what I was asked to build a year ago, is to build a strategy system for mm -hmm. us. And so now I'm in the midst of running that system. Cool. But I think personally, a system that's really important to me is around decision-making. Mm -hmm. And so being, I think the biggest part of it is being able to ask, is this urgent? Is this important or can yeah. I say no? And mm -hmm. I think sometimes that no category gets pushed off, like yeah. especially for those achievers out there that it's either urgent or important, but I think there is always a third category of mm -hmm. the simple word no that it is a complete sentence. It doesn't have to come with a justification, but yeah. no. 
Now, did you, did you learn that lesson the hard way? I, I know for me, I was an overcommitter and I would say yes to everything and no to nothing and it backfired really badly. So yeah. I had to learn that. Tell me about your story. <laughs> so the system that I have now is called my husband, John, <laughs> and, and it helps me because I'll run things by him before I commit to them. There's other times though, where I've just learned to be able to say no better. And my purpose is what helps me. Yeah. So, um, just because the opportunity is there, I know it doesn't mean that I need to be the one to take it and having my purpose, it helps me say, okay, is this for my family or my community? Yeah. Is this, uh, something that is going to use my greatest strength of creating new value and will it ultimately help me glorify God? And if it doesn't yeah. fit into that, I have an easier time saying yeah. no, because Lisa Turkhurst wrote a great book on this, but when I say yes to one thing, I am saying no to thousands yeah. of things. And so yeah. to understand that, it helps us put our yeses where they really need yeah. to be. And as a result, we're going to need to say no yeah. to certain things. So, so, so it's a really good filtering system. And I guess the two questions I have to, to, to challenge you is how do you handle two bad, two bad decisions or two good ones? Like it's oh, a bad or a worse decision or it's a good or a better. And it, it, it's not as clear as a, a no or a yes. You know, yeah, you have to make a decision in either scenario. It's really good. <laughs> a rock and a hard place. <laughs> a rock and a hard place. I think in the situation of a rock and a hard place, I take the longer perspective. Okay. You know, okay. So 10 years from now, when yeah. I look back, which of these decisions mm. would I have wanted to take? I like that. Like, and will I have regretted doing one or the other? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, now, what about, go, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think the other part with decision-making is then if we find that we have urgent and important, the irony is that the urgent so often tries to cannibalize the important. Mm. And so here's an example from my life is that I've got these two precious kiddos who are like nonstop energy. Yeah. <laughs> then I have a it's always urgent. <laughs> yes. It's Yes. And sometimes though, it's important and I yeah. can put a meeting or a deadline in front of them. And the reason I know that I'm off is when I feel that frustration and that, like I told you, Jen says, of pay attention to the tension. Yeah. When I feel attention that I'm not being the mom that I was created to be, I have to stop and pull back. And mm. often I'm putting urgent over important. Yeah. And there's a good chance that with that urgent work, somebody else could do it. I might be able to do it later, a yeah. little bit later. Um, and then the other big thing is just taking the time to put the important tasks in first. So my mm. morning routine is a big part of that exercise, time with the Lord, time with John. It's like the day has started off really strong because I have those three priorities done. And then I have special time with my kiddos before, like that's all before they wake up. And then I have special time with them. So when I can put the big rocks into the day, the important first, everything else can shuffle in and fit around yeah. it. So figuring now, those out and then being able to say what's important right now. So yeah. it might be important, but it doesn't have to be done now. So Yeah. And, and sometimes our deadlines are very superficial. They, they don't mean anything. And, and, but yet we act as if it's like monumental. <laughs> Yes, I am on um, the Strengths Finder. My number one is Activator. Ah, so my life is constantly in a sense of urgency. Yeah. So for me, it's a big one. It's an internal one. What are your other top four? 
Oh, activator, maximizer, positivity, uh, woo, and relator. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, we don't share any of the top five. I'm connectedness, strategic ideation, and I don't remember the others. But, good. Uh, we would make a good team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good compliments. Yeah. Now, you love systems. I love systems. But not everyone loves systems. So how do you persuade folks that are resistant to the system that would actually make their lives better or their work better or their life better? How do you get them to buy into the idea and to use them and to participate in them? It's good. Again, I think it's hard. If you're not <laughs> wired for something and you don't want it, you are going to be very resistant to it. Yeah. I think that some of those who might not like systems, they may just be naturally super creative and they don't want that structure. It feels like it confines them and restricts them. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it does. And so it, to me, it's acknowledging that certain systems may not be great for that individual. And then at the same time, I think looking around and recognizing where systems already exist in their life that they just might not be aware of might be part mm -hmm. of it. And then also I think where is their pain or challenge in their life that a system could help solve? And then yeah. I think they're ready. It's the whole, whole concept of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And yeah. so if we can find that pain in someone's daily life or weekly life where they're frustrated and then say, hey, here's a system that can help you with that, then they're going to be a whole lot more receptive and interested. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So life can be hard, it can be challenging, it can be prosperous and joyful. What would you, what would be some of your final words of wisdom that you would share on how to navigate the journey and, and the ups and downs that, that we'll face and that we are currently facing? I think that's good. I would say self-compassion mm. and then compassion for others. I think compassion in general is a really beautiful act of very beautiful um, emotion too and so the more that we can show compassion to ourselves not be so hard on ourselves yeah. not expect so much out of ourselves and to just be thankful mm -hmm. thankful for who we are thankful for how god made us yeah. and give ourselves a little bit of breathing room yeah. and forgiveness <clears throat> the amazing thing is is that when we can show compassion to ourselves then we're going to be able to extend that mm -hmm. to others well. And when we're not showing it to ourselves, it's really hard to show it genuinely yeah. to others. So I would say self-compassion and then compassion for others. Yeah, that's great. Anything else you wanted to share that we didn't get to or that I didn't ask about or that I skipped over? I probably would just say, you know, <laughs> check in and uh, I'd love to stay connected and love everyone's thoughts thoughts on things as I'm writing and speaking. I love the interaction and thoughts and I appreciate how you've asked great questions to me to challenge how I'm thinking and my perspective. I think that's always healthy. Awesome. Well, tell us how we can connect with you, where you're at online, people want to reach out. Yeah, totally. So three options. There's dot uh, com so elizabeth dixon speaks.com okay on linkedin that's a backsplash back backslash elizabeth dixon speaks after the linkedin part okay. and then on instagram handle okay. elizabeth dixon speaks okay and so sequentially it is less to more 
uh, intimate in a sort. So .com is mostly writing and then speaking pieces. And then on LinkedIn, it's more professional. And then on Instagram, it's more of a peek behind the curtain. More personal. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. And uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Thank you.